The theme verse that we've been working through for this series is found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, and I know we've touched on it many times over these past four weeks, and we're going to sit with it one more time again this morning. So listen now as I read for us the word of the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Your bulletin quotation, Mark Twain, said this, I am an old man, and I have known a great many troubles, but most of them have never happened. How many of us find ourselves often with sentiments that echo what he said? There are great fears in our lives. There are things that are anxiety-producing and worrisome. And when a fear takes hold of us and leads us into relentless anxiety and worry, as we've been talking about for the past few weeks, we find ourselves crippled. We're unable to fully engage our lives, to be fully present with the people God has put before us. We're often unable to pay full attention to the task at hand. How many of you have ever come home from a day at class, a day in the office, a day of errands or whatever it is, a day with family or some other situation, and, you know, you drop your coat and your wallet, your keys, your purse, and you kind of try to take a deep sigh, but it never really happens. You never really feel like you can fully exhale, right? And then someone else that maybe you love or even, even your dog maybe is vying for your attention, asking you questions. Maybe they want a hug or eye contact or some moment with you. Maybe they start asking you questions right away when you walk in and, and, and you can't focus on them, right? Because whatever happened before you got home is still sitting with you. And how many of you have ever said, oh, I, I wasn't paying attention. Say that again, Right? We're, we're, we're consumed with maybe where we've just come from. And what happens to us at times is a fear of what we've just experienced takes hold and, and, and makes us anxious. And we, we're worried about what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. And we can't be fully present to the moment God has given us. We become distracted because we're worried. We think about what's next and what might happen 
And we might even, because of this, begin to lose sleep, right? Or we lose track of our health and maybe we don't have time to exercise or, or make the right eating decisions and the choices our bodies need. And we, we run ourselves ragged and maybe we eat too much or we drink too much or we don't eat enough and we're too amped up for a good Sunday afternoon nap and we're too shaky and stressed and frantic and frazzled to pray. And we wonder... Am I ever going to just be able to relax and settle into the presence of God and and enjoy my life? My short little window of time here that God has given me, can I ever fully be present in it? And then we get this text where Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. You've got enough to just figure out today. And I confess, I look at that and I say, really, Jesus? Because you don't know what I have to do tomorrow. Do you know what I have to do tomorrow? What phone call might come in? What doctor's appointment some of us need to go to? Really, I'm not supposed to worry? The word that is used in the Greek here to describe worry is the term merimano. It's actually a combination of two smaller words. Merizo, which means to divide. And nous, which means the mind. To worry is to have a divided mind. Jesus is saying here, do not let your mind be divided. Do not let the worries of today split your focus from me and send them off in another direction. And what Jesus is ultimately asking here is something that Dan alluded to last week. Is this all comes down to trust. Do you trust that God has your best interests in mind? Do you trust that the God of the universe who said, I will never leave you and never forsake you. The God who says, I knew you before you were born. Do you trust that that God can hold the future? Even when bad things happen to good people. Even when God doesn't act the way we think God should act, do you trust in the almighty God with your future? And if you do, if the answer to that is yes, and I know that's a hard answer to give, but if you believe that, if you trust that, what are we so worried about? We know the God who holds the future. One of my favorite passages of scripture is the narrative of Abram, Abraham from Genesis And in Genesis chapter 12, I'm always drawn to this story when it comes to conversations about trust in God. And I was reminded of it again this week when I was reading this scripture. In Genesis 12, God calls down to a man named Abram, a nomadic herdsman who's acquired mass wealth and people and and livestock. And he's moving from place to place and he's living his life. And God calls down from him seemingly out of nowhere and says this to him, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. Basically get up Abram and go somewhere. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going to have to trust me. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. I would love to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation. 
You know, did Abram interrupt and say, whoa, 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 how's this going to happen? You're not even going to tell me where I'm going. How am I going to get my people there? What's going to happen to me along the way? Do I need a map? When's the next train come to pick some of us up? You know, like there was nothing there that Abram had been given. But Abram knew enough about God who actually had not even begun to reveal himself at this time in history the way we see God. I mean, Abram didn't have the Old Testament to refer to, and he surely didn't have the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to trust. But Abram knew something of God, enough of God that he was able to trust in that moment and take the worry and the anxiety caused by taking your family and all you have and moving off to an unknown place to follow a God who at that time was unnamed to you. And Abram looked and said this. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. He just went. He did it. He knew something of God and trusted his future to God. And we are being asked to do that same thing. Do you trust the God of history, the God of scripture, the God of salvation? Even, like I said, when hard things happen, unexplainable things, things that our finite minds and our bodies can't comprehend, do we trust the massive attributes of God that have been at work throughout all of human history from the very beginning of time? Do we trust that God does have the power to create? The God who called the universe into being from nothing. Psalm 33, God has the power to create. God is always present. Do we trust that? You know, we have a phrase that we toss around. How many of us have ever said that a certain place was God forsaken? I'm not going to go to that God forsaken place. You know what? There is nothing, no such thing as a God forsaken place. God is all present. God is all knowing. He knows so much more than we would ever dare to guess we knew. He is sovereign. He is ruler over all. He has this whole thing in his power, and he holds the world, the universe, in his hands. We're told that God is holy. He is not a capricious, malevolent being who just haphazardly throws decrees around or magically decides to do something like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. This is not how God operates. God is holy. He is divinity. He is majesty. He is a holy being. And he is just. He is just. He promises to make all things right. Sometimes not on this side of heaven. But I promise you it will all be made right in the end. God is just. And God is love. God is about our grace our salvation, our movement toward goodness. God showers us with love. And almost all of us will have a moment in life where we shake our fists at heaven and go, I thought you loved me. Why did that happen? Why did you take that away from me? Why does this have to end that way? The reality is God is love and he doesn't make pain for us. Pain happens and there are times where he takes his hand and he allows it to play out. But at the end of history is the end of the story. And God is writing a song of love 
throughout all of history for us, and he is never changing. That aspect of God and all of these will never change. Today, yesterday, and tomorrow. So do you believe that God is who he says he is? And if so, do you trust your future, our futures, in his hands? Can we ultimately pull a Proverbs 3 with our lives, that oft-repeated verse that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on our limited, finite expectations and understandings, but in all of our ways, submit to him, and he will make our path straight. He will lead us like he led Abram, if we just trust. If we leave ourselves in the hands of this God, It is possible when we trust to worry less. That doesn't mean things don't hurt. That doesn't mean there are unexplainable things that happen to us. But when we trust, we can breathe and know that that future is secure in God's hands, come what may. When we focus on the future, we lose sight of land. The future is the what if, what if, what if. And that's when the anxiety wheels get spinning, right? C.S. Lewis talks about this in the screw tape letters. He said, the present is the point at which time touches eternity. The present moment, what we have here in this moment is where time touches eternity. He goes on to say that the future is, of all things, the least like eternity, which is not often how we operate in our minds. He says it is the most temporal part of time. He says, the past is frozen and no longer flows. The present is all lit up with eternal rays. I mean, the cliches are true, right? All we have is the present moment. This moment, our breath in this very moment is saturated with divinity. Let's not miss what God has for us to do today and how to be in this moment because we're so anxious and worried about tomorrow. Can we trust that we are in the hands of a good God and live fully into every moment of this day. Trust is risky. When we count the costs, we calculate this all the time. That's where the what if, what if, what ifs come back, right? There's a man whose uh, mountaineering work I've long admired, a gentleman named Todd Skinner, one of the most respected climbers of his generation. One of the greatest challenges that he faced was a set of peaks called the Trango Towers. In North Pakistan, one of the remote, most hostile places in the world to get to and to climb. And he wanted to take a team on an expedition to the Trango Towers. And all of the possible sponsors for his expedition said, no way. It's too risky. We don't want our name attached to the massive failure that is going to be your trek into that part of the country. We're not going to do it. And Todd moved forward anyway to find the right free climbing team. He planned logistics like travel and jeeps and porters and permits and equipment and clothing. He spent years preparing for this. And he says that after a 10-day trek in to get to the base area where they were going to set up camp and get ready to climb this thing, this is how he describes the moment. He said, we turned a corner and there it was. Trango Tower rose stunningly before us. He said, the reality hit us like a shock wave. We stopped dead in the middle of the track. He said, no amount of bluff or bravado could hide the fact that we were absolutely horrified. And it is hard to scare an accomplished mountaineer. 
And he said he realized the only thing that they could do at this point was do it. They had to trust. They had to trust their equipment. They had to trust their preparations. They had to trust their mind. They had to trust that they could do this. And this is what he said. The final danger in the preparation process of an expedition is the tendency to postpone leaving until every question has been answered. Forgetting that the mountain is the only place the answers can definitively be found. No matter how well prepared you are, how honed your climbing skills, how vast your expertise, you cannot climb the mountain if you don't get to it. The tendency we all have, right, is to postpone leaving. They climbed that peak. I mean, what's the reality of our lives? We postpone leaving. We feel comfortable sometimes in the world of worry. We know it. It may be hard, but at least it's known. And we've got to trust this, this majestic, mysterious, adventuresome God who wants to take us to places we could never imagine. And we often postpone leaving, don't we? Sometimes you just have to climb it, right? You just have to stop like Abram did and just go and trust the future to the God who holds us on the mountain. All of us who've been through tragedy, and Kathy alluded to it in that great video this morning, right? Most of us, we, we wouldn't say we want tragedy to come again. I mean, how many people go through a tragedy and say, yeah, I'd love to do that again. That would be great if we could just have my heart broken for another year or more, right? But most people who've gone through tragedy would also tell you they would never in a million years trade what they learned in the process for anything. What they, be, what they learned about God and how their soul was transformed in those places, they would never trade it because they've been to the mountain. And they know unspeakable things about the nature of God and the way of life that they never knew before they suffered and struggled. And to release our grip on worry and anxiety is to dare to go boldly into those places. Do you trust? Margaret Shepard once said, sometimes your only transportation is a leap of faith and a movement toward that holy God. We see this story play out with Mary and Martha as well. And so many of us have heard that story. Did you ever catch that the word worry is in that narrative. It's the famous story, right, where Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus has come to town, and he's come to their house, and he's brought an entourage with him. And suddenly, the home of Mary and Martha is filled with a bunch of dirty travelers and this famous rabbi, and Martha launches herself into a tizzy. She's got food to make. She's got a house to clean. She's got people to make comfortable. This guy, Jesus, is here. There's a lot to do. And Mary, her sister, just sits at the feet of Jesus and hangs out and enjoys the divine present moment that has literally come into her house. And what does Martha say? Jesus, would you tell her to stop sitting around and come to help me? Jesus says this, Martha, Martha, you are what? Worried. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really, only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken 
away from her, Martha, would you relax and trust that I've got this and sit down and lose your worry and enter fully into the divine moment because I, Jesus, the Lord of the universe, God incarnate, I'm in your house. Don't miss that. And you know what? We don't have Jesus in the flesh coming to dinner at our houses, but we have divine moments around our dinner tables or our workrooms or this space, wherever it is, every single day. Do not be worried about so many things. Focus on the present. Is your mind divided? Is your mind divided? And if it is, how can we focus on God and learn to put our trust in God? Now, most of us don't have just neatly divided minds. It's not a 50-50 split. At least I know this isn't true for me. I don't wake up in the morning with option A or option B. I wake up in the morning with A through Z and then some. And that's what makes the panic creep in when we wake up in the morning, right? And I think of it often like a time that I actually stood on, on, on the shore of a, of a massive frozen lake once up in Wisconsin with a friend. And we were up in a cabin for the weekend, and the ice was rumored to be a good two or three feet thick, right? You couldn't fall through it. And we were going to try to walk to the other side because town was on the other side and it was cold and we wanted, we wanted to walk across and get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and warm up. And I remember walking onto the ice and looking down and there were a million cracks and fissures running every single way. This is, I think, how some of our minds must feel, right? And I remember standing on that lake and I thought, we're, we gotta, we're gonna walk across this thing, right? And I mean, it, it, was, it was thick. But you still go like this, right, when you're, when you're about to walk across ice. And there wasn't a, a layer of crusted snow or anything on the ice. It was very, very smooth. And ice and snow were blowing across it. But if you've ever stood on a big frozen body of water and you just look down, it's just black, right? And if you've ever walked out on a body of water like that and heard a crack, it's not like a little bit of crust crumbling. It's this boom, boom, boom. And the cracks run deep under your feet. And they don't cause you to fall, but you just hear this echoing ache groan across the lake and it makes you panic every time. And I remember walking arm in arm with my friend, giggling and then becoming horrified with sheer terror that this whole thing was just going to open up and take us under. And when we focused on what was below us and which crack could do us in, we were paralyzed and it was cold, and the snow was blowing, and all we wanted was that cup of coffee. And we finally decided, we looked at each other, we said, let's run. Let's just run. Even if we fall, let's just run. we got to get this over with. And we locked ourselves arm in arm, and we sprinted about a half mile across the lake so we could find ourselves in town in a little booth. And you know what happened when we got there? We were terrified because we had to walk back. <laughs> we couldn't even enjoy that we had made it because we were worried about getting back. And we obviously made it back and walked back across, right? But, I mean, you feel that? You feel that worry? You feel, feel what happens when, when you don't trust what's got you? There was three feet of ice underneath us. You know, that's just ice. The Lord of the universe is holding us. He has got this. Do you trust? Do not worry about tomorrow because you have to worry about today. You got to focus on today. You got to live in the present moment. And if ever there was a person 
and all of our what ifs and what abouts. And I wonder if this is going to happen. And well, well, God, you don't know how much I ache or how strong my addiction is or how great my pain is. When we say all of those things, we also can go to the place of remembering that Jesus is not a stranger to any of this. And if ever there was a person in human history who could have cried out to God and said, I give up, it was him. After trumped up charges in a gross mistrial and beatings and humiliation and abandonment from his friends and one of the worst forms of hatred and torture available to the Roman world at that time, after all of that was unleashed upon him and he was strung up on a cross and left to die, what does he say in Luke 23? What does he say? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I commit, I give it to you, I trust myself to you. He knew he was about to descend into the pit of hell for a brief moment of time, and he still trusted. If Jesus in all of that could trust, how much more can we? When our minds are divided, when worry creeps in, can you look into the face of God? And say, into my hands, God, I give my spirit. I commit myself to this day. I give myself to this moment. When darkness comes, I trust you will lead me out. When pain and sorrow become my companions, I look across the lake and I know there will be warmth. And it may not even be this side of heaven, but it will be because God has promised it is so. Can you look? at God with a full mind and trust your spirit, your soul, your life to you trust this day into his holy hands. Can you? It's a big question. Pray about it. Wrestle with it. Wonder about it. Ask questions about it. It's the most important question that we can ask. Do we give our lives to his hands? And trust him with today, because he surely has tomorrow. Amen? Friends, let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the, day, the God of today. That you are the God of this very moment. That you are the God of the past, that you know where we've been, and you know where we hurt, and you know the story of history, Lord. You are the God of the past. And Lord, you are the God of the future. That we see as yet unwritten, Lord, you know every word. So God, may we just trust that you have us, that you hold us, that our minds, while they seem so divided, really can find rest in you. Lord, take our worried, anxious, frantic little selves. Hold us tight. Bring us peace. And may all that we are be found in you. In Jesus' name we pray, all of God's people said, amen.